Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Morning, everyone. How are we going today? Good. Can we put our hands together for the welcome team? For those who got an umbrella over you today, just want to say thank you to Mark and to Sonia Hurd who lead that team and just the, the wonderful uh, welcome. And for those uh, that were out there today uh, with multiple umbrellas at times, uh, I felt like there was a couple of people that came in with four or five umbrellas under them and I was like, wow, you're getting a real, a real welcome there. So very good. Well, welcome to also to the second week of Live Generous uh, we're looking over the next few weeks as what does it mean to live generous? What does it mean as followers of Jesus to live generously because God has blessed us? And maybe we're living in times where it's hard to see that. Maybe we need to hit the reset button slightly and understand that God has indeed blessed us with so much and we are to live generous lives. And last week I introduced this by looking at the generosity of God, that God is a God who creates and He's also a God who redeems and we live in the overflow. We can trust God and we have hope in the overflow of God's generosity uh, to us. I don't know about you, but I'm inspired as I look over history and across time as I see people who use what God has placed in their hands for His purposes and for His glory. When I think all the way back to the first century and think about the early church and think about how uh, seriously and how literally they took Jesus' words. They loved and they cared for people. They were faithful in speaking the word of God. And as they lived that out in that community, they saw the church birthed in many ways. People followed this movement called the way and the church moved into the known world. It's a beautiful thing as the early church used what God had placed in their hands. In the fourth and the fifth century, uh, we saw the, the desert mothers and the desert fathers go from the big cities and they went out and they started to explore and use different spiritual formation practices, uh, different ways to connect with God, whether through prayer, silence and solitude. Many of the ways that we connect with God today were birthed out of that time period uh, where these uh, people spent time using what God had placed in their hands and, and spending time and connecting with God in that way. When I think through to the Middle Ages and you think about the cathedrals that have been built in Europe over the time, if you've ever travelled to Europe, you probably at one point said, not another cathedral, please, not another one. We've seen them all, surely. But if you take time in these beautiful cathedrals and you see the stained glass windows and you see the, 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 the artists that drew the stories of God up on the walls, they use what God had placed in their hands. Firstly, to build these beautiful buildings, but then secondly, to put stories on walls and stained glass windows so that the people of the time, who were largely illiterate, had an opportunity to learn God's stories. They used what God had placed in their hands so that people could connect with God in that way. Or what about in the 50th, 15th century with uh, William Tyndale? who was the first one to translate the New Testament into English. Not a popular guy in his time period. However, what he was able to produce and the legacy of bringing the Bible to the known world at that point into English, he used what God had placed in his hands 
and his intellect and his ability to be thorough in that exegetical approach. So important. Or as the world started to move around and, uh, and uh, missionaries started to go into different places of the world in the 1800s, people like William Carey or Hudson Taylor or David Livingston, they kind of packed up. They went to these unknown places with the gospel and they used what God had placed in their hands to be able to bring God's word and his story into new places. I wonder if you consider some of what God has done over history using what people have placed, what he's placed into people's hands for his glory and for his purposes. I think of people who are poets, songwriters, artists, and how God has given them creativity. I am not that guy. But to think about how that creative expression, what he's placed in their hands can, can move us and help us understand more about who God is. It's a beautiful thing, a really, really beautiful thing. What about people in political life? You know, I think of someone like William Wilberforce and God used what was in his hands, his intellect and his influence. And over a long period of time, through many hardships, he was able to bring a bill into the English parliament which abolished slavery. In that time, we're still battling it today, aren't we? More modern day slaves now than ever before. That's not okay. It's why we participate in Pong through the work of IJM. But William Wilberforce, he gave his life over to that and God used what was in his hands for that purpose. See, God is a generous God. He's such a generous God. And he asks us to use what he's placed into our hands for his purposes and for his glory. So the question I have for you today is what's in your hands? Not literally, because probably your phone. But what's God placed in your hands? What are the gifts? What are the abilities? What are the, what are the things that He has blessed you with that you can use to bless others and advance the kingdom of God? And today to explore this some more, I wanna look at a story that Jesus told, uh, the parable of the bags of gold or the parable of the talents. If you've got your Bibles or your phones, let's turn to Matthew 25 and we're gonna sit in this story today. Matthew 25, verses 14, it says this. He says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, uh, to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. The one who had received, uh, well, hang on a sec, I've got to find my place here. So also the one with two bags of gold and he gained two more. But the one who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the, five, brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold, he also came and he said, Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. 
And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then the man who received one bag of gold came and he said, master, he said, I know that you're a hard man and that you're harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and where I gather seed, where I, where I gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, they will have in abundance. And whoever, has, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus told these parables. And a parable is a story with purpose. And he told these parables so that we could understand what life looked like in the kingdom of God. And to understand this one maybe a little bit more, it'd be good to look at where is it located and also what is the context around the parable. Why did Jesus start in verse 14 with the word again? Why would he say that? Well, the reason that he says this is because this parable is sandwiched between parables that Jesus has been speaking about around the end times, around Jesus going away and around him coming back again with his second coming. Just prior to this parable, Matthew 25, 1 to 13, Jesus tells a story about 10 bridesmaids and he talks about how five of them are prepared for the wedding and five of them are not prepared. And, and the big idea, the spiritual meaning behind what he's trying to say is that as followers of Jesus, we need to be ready for when Jesus returns. And then there's the parable of the bags of gold or the talents. And then directly after that, in verses 31 to 46, Jesus tells a story of the sheep and the goats, a story when Jesus returns, a story when he comes back again as he has promised and he's gonna separate people to his right and to his left, the sheep and the goats. And depending on, in many ways, their service and their obedience in living out the kingdom of God. Sheep on one side and goats on the other. He says in verse 40, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Now, Jesus isn't bringing a works mentality or a works gospel or a works theology into play here, but he's saying what we do on earth actually matters. What we do with our investment in our life on earth actually really matters. It matters not just for now, but it matters for eternity. So what does all this mean? Jesus is, in many ways, he's preparing his disciples for when he ascends up into heaven and when he returns again. He's emphasising the need to be ready, to make our lives count, to live for God both now and also to make an impact for eternity. So that's the location of where this parable, this story with purpose sits. But then he's also talking about bags of gold and it might be, Hard for us, you know, in some uh, times if you've heard this um, parable before, you might have heard of the talents and you might be thinking, well, what does this mean? How does this sort of work? So some context around that might be helpful. You know, one bag of gold or one talent is worth uh, 6,000 denarii, the currency of the day. 
And just so that you know, to put it into context, one denarii is worth one day's wage. So one bag of gold is worth about 20 years of wages. So if you're given five bags of gold, uh, you're given uh, around 100 years of wages. Two bags of gold is around 40 years of wages. One bag of gold, like I said, 20 years of wages. To put it into context, into, uh, into our kind of time and our day today, uh, five bags of gold, 100 years of wages is you know, around eight to nine a million dollars if you look at the ABS average you know, earning report that came out in 2022. You know, uh, two bags of gold, 40 years of wages, you're, you're looking between kind of two and a half and three and a half million dollars. And one bag of gold, you're looking at around one and a half million dollars. So we're talking about large amounts of money, right? The wealth that's put into the hands. You might think a bag of gold and you're like, oh yeah, little bag of gold, no worries, just put that in my pocket, sort it out for later. But Jesus, uh, he's using hyperbole. He's using exaggeration intentionally in this story, I believe, to show how generous God is for us. That we have all the things and more that he has blessed us with. He is such a generous God. So how do we live from that place? And he's kind of like outrageously making that point and making that point very clearly to us today. He's not a God of scarcity. He's a God of abundance and generosity. So let's dig our way through this story a little bit more. In verses 15 and 17, the two servants, they do what they can. Verse 15 says that they received the bags of gold according to their ability. And they got to work at once. There wasn't any delay in that. They just got into work and they worked with what they were given and they multiplied those bags of gold. And in verse 18, the other servant is really the odd man out. In this story, he's the odd man out. And with him, he buries the bag of gold and he eliminates any risk. And he says, do you know what? The best thing I can do in this situation is nothing. I'm just gonna do nothing. I'm just gonna dig a hole, bury that thing, and then we'll see how things pan out. Now, interestingly enough, when the Romans came and took Jerusalem in 70 AD, they actually found a whole lot of riches buried in the ground. So when Jesus is telling this story, it might have actually been a thought. You know what I'm going to do? Maybe nowadays, you know, you think oh, I'm going to put that money under the mattress. Well, we don't carry money anymore, do we? But, you know, that might be the imagery that might make sense to us. For them, I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to put it away. No one's going to touch it. So it's sort of imagery that would have made sense in the first century. And maybe Jesus is saying that to make that point as well. So then in verse 19, the man returns to settle accounts. And really this is imagery around Jesus ascending. If you know in Acts 1, Jesus speaks to his disciples for that last time and then he ascends up into heaven. And he says, I'm coming back. And we're living in this phase now, this episode of history of Jesus ascending up to heaven to be on the right-hand side of the Father, yet saying he's going to return again. There'll be a time where Jesus returns. And either in our lifetime, we will see him return or we'll, we'll go to heaven with him as, if we're followers of his. And this story is saying the man comes back to settle accounts. It's that imagery around him returning. He returns and then there is joy and affirmation in verses 20 to 23 for those who use their gifts well. It's a time of celebration. They used what their master gave them. 
and they multiplied it, both in verse 21 and 23. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Pretty sure that's what we'd all love to hear when we're face to face with the living God. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness, in your master's joy. And then this is contrasted to a fear-based response, the joy and affirmation. All the air goes out of the balloon in verses 24 to 27. There's a lack of risk, a lack of trust in God and a lack of desire to move things forward. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, probably words we would never want to hear from our living God. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown or gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put your money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So there's an opposite response from these two approaches. There's good and faithful and then there is wicked and lazy. And I wonder if we're honest with ourselves today, I wonder if we had our hand on our heart, where would we sit if we were to have a face-to-face with the living God today? Are we using the things that God has blessed us with out of his generous abundance, the gifts, the abilities, the skills and the resources that he's given us? Are we using them to bless others for his purposes or are we burying them away? Are we hiding those things or we've just dug a hole and said, I'll catch you later. I'm not gonna engage in that at all. So what can we learn? As we we look to live generous lives, uh, what can we learn from this today? Well, the first thing that we can learn is that we all have gifts. We all have gifts. Verses 14 and 15, again, it'll be like the man going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and the other one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. See, we've been created by a generous God. Every single one of us has been created by a generous God and we've been given gifts according to our own ability. According to how God has created you, you've been given gifts by God. Some of these gifts are natural gifts that you've just grown up with, like music, arts, finances, intellect, building, uh, you know, helping others. There might be different gifts that you have and you just maybe learnt at school or or you maybe know that you just like, yeah, I'm just built a little bit different. Some people find this hard. I find it really easy. I can help people in that way or, you know, there's some things I find really difficult, but I've got someone in my life who gets that. We've all been created in different ways. We have these natural uh, abilities and natural gifts that God has created us with. But we also have spiritual gifts like teaching, encouragement, leadership and mercy that God has blessed us with. And Paul speaks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 4 he says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. And in verse 8 to 10, he talks about spiritual gifts of wisdom or knowledge, healing, prophecy, uh, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. And he concludes his thought in verse 11 by saying, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. So we have gifts that God has blessed us with, that he has given us as he determines. And again, Paul speaks about this to the church in Rome. In Romans 12, six to eight, he says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So all of us have been given gifts according to the grace that God has given to us. So God has created us. He's created you. We all have gifts that he has given to us. So I come back to my question. What is in your hands? What are the gifts, the abilities? What are the things that God has created you with? Let me ask you, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? What makes you come alive? What makes you feel close to God? What are the gifts that God has blessed you with? We might be here today and you might say, Mike, I don't actually know. I'm not sure. I haven't actually spent enough time reflecting on what my gifts from God might be. Well, Pastor Nathan McDuff wants to help you with that. We run a course here called SHAPE. And SHAPE is an acronym for your, your spiritual gifts, for your heart, for your abilities, your personality and your experiences how God has built you and what has He put in you, the gifts that you have. And we're gonna be running a shape course uh, coming up uh, in, the, in the next few weeks. And I wanna invite you into that if you can't answer the question, what are the gifts that God has given you? Or you wanna explore it, or you maybe just wanna take an audit and you wanna say, hey, maybe I haven't looked at this for some time. So that we've got a shape course, it's gonna come up on November the 13th uh, and the 20th, it's gonna be in our 9am service. And uh, you can sign up by going out the door to the next steps, or for those online, you can sign up by going onto the website, uh, or you can all sign up by going onto the website and fill in a connect card, and uh, Pastor Nathan McDuff will, will connect with you uh, around that. But I wanna encourage us, we live generous by actually understanding and knowing how God's built us so that we can live into the gifts that he's created us for. So the first thing is we all have gifts. And the second thing is we need to use the gifts that God has given. We actually need to use the gifts that God has given. The message is loud and clear in this story. Use the gifts God has given. Give life a go. If you've stopped giving life a go, please start. Please start giving life a go again. Use the gifts that God has blessed you with. Eternity literally depends on it for you and for others. Verse 16 and 17 says, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. And so did the one with two bags of gold. He, he gained two more. And then verses 28 to 29 describe the response from the servant who hid the bag of gold. It says, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who's got 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, they will have an abundance. In Ephesians 4, uh, Paul speaks into how the gifts that God has given us actually are used to bless and build up the body of Christ. He says this, so Christ gave the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure 
of the fullness of Christ. So what Paul is saying here is he's saying that he give, these gifts are given from God to his people. He talks about the five gifts there. And he said these gifts are given so that they equip God's people, they build up God's people. And as we build up God's people, as the body of Christ is getting equipped and built up, we actually grow in unity. And as we grow in unity, we learn how to live together. We learn how to have kind of robust relationships and we learn how to get along and disagree, but keep moving forward. And with everything that comes with that, that actually develops maturity in us. And what does Paul say maturity does? It shows that we can live in the fullness of God, the fullness of God. So actually by using our gifts that God has given us, it is really important because it equips the body and then it grows us into unity and maturity so that we can receive the fullness of God. It's actually really important in understanding how it works in God's economy. You know, we live in an age now which is very consumeristic. It's what can I get from this? But actually it's flipped in God's economy, isn't it? What can I give? And as I give, I'm blessed, we're all blessed, we grow up into what God has for us, we learn how to make things work, and then we experience the fullness of God. So very important that we understand that is a hallmark of what it means to live generous. Now Peter says it, Peter says it this way, in 1 Peter 4.10, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So what do we do with the gifts that God has blessed us with in response to God's generosity in our lives? We're called to serve others, to serve others. You know, we can't, bury our gifts. We just can't. We can't hide them away like the third servant. Jesus simply doesn't give us any room for this in the kingdom of God. There's just no space for that. He's a generous God. He blesses us. He calls us to live generously towards others using the gifts that He's given us so that we can serve and bless others. You know, the clip at the beginning of the message talked about a scarcity mindset. And, and I think if we were to take our gifts and bury them and just sort of hope for the best, we're actually living into that scarcity mindset. We don't understand that God's a generous God. We don't understand that God is wanting us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing for others. And in some ways, it's probably a sign of immaturity. It's also maybe a sign of selfishness if we're gonna hold our gifts and just bury them and say, thanks, but no thanks. It's like God blessed you with like a really amazing house and you're really diligent in keeping that house clean and tidy, sparkling clean. And you say, I'm not ever having anyone over, no thanks. Or what about if God's blessed you with you know, intellect and, and a problem solving ability or ability to tutor other people or to coach and, you kind of know that and you say, thanks, but no thanks. I'll just keep that aside. What about if God's blessed you with some spiritual gifts that would build up the body in leadership or in prophecy and you just say, thanks, but no thanks. I'm just gonna dig a hole, put that one away. 
I know when I say it like that, we, we go, well, I would never do that. It's not the response, but sometimes we can find ourselves in situations like that. And we need to hold up the mirror and say, God, am I using the gifts that you have blessed me with to serve others? See, God calls his followers to use gifts for his work and to serve others. God has blessed us to be a blessing to others. And I think we need to live into that now more than ever. If we need to reset on something, we need to reset on that. We need to reset on understanding that God has blessed us to be a blessing to others. So the question for us is, how are your gifts building his kingdom? How are your gifts building his kingdom? With what God has placed into your hands, how are you building up the body? How are you serving others? How are you bringing unity? How are you living into the fullness of God? And how is this reflected in your serving here at Clovey and into the wider community? And I wonder if God is challenging you in this. If you feel slightly uncomfortable about this, what's your next step? Who's the person you need to have a conversation with? How do you need to maybe set aside some time to pray more into this? Because theologian Michael Wilkins says this, he says, live as though Jesus is coming back today, but plan as though he's not coming back for 100 years. We live with a sense of urgency for the now, but with a hope into the future. And this is actually what we're seeing across the, the church in the world, but particularly with what's been happening in Ukraine in recent months. Obviously, what's been happening in Ukraine has just been devastating on so many ways, but the, the church in Poland has actually really risen up during this time. A Clovey member sent me an article uh, this week about what has been happening in Poland and the church in Poland. And there's an estimated you know, three to five million refugees that have crossed from Ukraine into Poland in recent months. And uh, the church in Poland is being reawakened in many ways. Uh, there's a, a little a village, a little town called Chelm, which is 15 miles just uh, in on the border in Poland. There's a little church there little Baptist church with 80 members. And uh, they decided they were gonna open up their doors to the refugees. And on the first day, when they opened their doors, they had 20 people come along and they could help them out. The next day, they had 120. By the end of the week, they had 200 people coming into their church. And now, uh, well, when this article was written, it's probably more now, they're serving uh, 350 hot meals a day. It's a little church of 80 members serving 350 refugees with hot meals every day. They're partnering with local restaurants and local community areas uh, so that they can actually participate in loving and caring for the Ukrainian people. They're taking supplies back to Ukraine and they're starting to live into this. They're using what God has placed in their hands to bless the Ukrainian people. And the pastor from the church said this, really important that you hear this. He said, God's completely changed us. We woke up from our comfortable life. We woke up from our comfortable life. Now we, are tr now we truly understand what it means to be the body of Christ. My encouragement to us today is that we understand that we have 
being blessed, to live generous. We've all been given gifts. And the opportunity for us is to use those gifts to bless others. Let's pray together.